One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Runners World podcast with me, Rick Pearson, and he, Ben Hobson. Each Tuesday, we'll be bringing you all the latest news, views, and interviews from across the running world. So, Ben, tell us what we got coming up on this week's show. A former rugby union player and now PT, Ollie Foss retired from the game young and somewhat worse for wear. Since then, he's been on a voyage of discovery, focusing around mobility and what the human body is capable of. Speaking of human bodies, Rick... Uh, you had a birthday last week. How's your body feeling? Yeah, now I'm officially a, a master's athlete. Well, over 35 anyway. Right. So um, I'm feeling largely the same. Good. But because I'm having a go at this mile, yes. I do think probably most people's best mile will happen pre-35. And right. I'm trying to make it happen post-35. So in some ways, I'm trying to sort of turn back time. Got it. And what's that based on? Just how you how how hard it's been to do the training? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's felt very intense. Right, intense stuff. So, um, yeah, I've got some uh, some good sessions coming up actually this week, which is it's kind of two hundred meter based sessions. Okay. So two hundred meters on. Yep. And you've got to try and do that two hundred meters in about thirty five seconds. So for me, that's like pretty much sprinting. Yeah. And then you get uh, you get the same amount of uh, rest off, so you get thirty five seconds rest, got and it. then you then you smash out another two hundred. So, um. Yeah, it's very intense. Um, I am enjoying it. It's very, very different to, to marathon training, which was the idea. So I'm, I'm actually very much enjoying a new sprinting challenge. And I, I'd recommend anyone to have a bash at a mile. Yeah. Well, well, what we'll do is we'll, um, once you've verified this training block with, yeah. a, with a legit sub five time, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll put a piece up on the site. Yeah, it needs to be kind of gold stamped, doesn't it? Yeah, this I mean, actually if you works. don't do it, then <laughs> yeah. no way. We're not sharing that with anyone. But, yeah. but anyone who wants to you know, improve their mile time, hopefully will be able to follow your plan and, and see some success. Yeah, no, that's, that, that's the idea. And you know, like we were saying last week, actually, a good mile has amazing knock-on benefits to, oh, yeah. to other distances, right? So off the back of a mile, I'm hoping that I'll run my, my best 5K as well. Right. So... That's the hope, mate. That's the theory. That's the theory. All right, well, we'll look forward to that in January, right? Yeah, yeah, that's it. All right, good. Right, well, I think we should get our guest in. Guest of the week. Here in the studio. Guest of the week. Sometimes on the phone. Could be an athlete. Could be a physio. Or a complete unknown. Ollie, welcome to the Runners World Box. Thank you very much for the uh, kind invitation. I'm uh, looking forward to spending some time with you guys today. So I'm really excited about this because I'm not sure I really know what mobility means. Could you give us a kind of overview of what we mean when we say mobility? I think mobility is a um, is a is slightly confusing in terms of what 
it kind of is. Um, mobility, in essence, is basically control of your body and joints um, and in, and control in space. And I think it's something which has in the past been looked at as a kind of a warm-up activity or something which is a bit of a great area, but there's actually some really good um, evidential stuff behind um, mobility, which is proven to be um, very, very effective when used in, you know, sort of training um, in environments and competition. I think that most people would probably put mobility and flexibility and like being weak or being strong. Is it sort of flexibility with strength is that kind of like a good way of thinking about it definitely i mean it's 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 so the sort of equation for mobility is flexibility plus strength which equals mobility um so flexibility is a prerequisite for mobility and it's something to not be um ignored but also something which is i think in the past we've got so uh focused on extensibility or range of motion passively um we haven't addressed the control um, aspect of um, movement and the control aspect of movement is um, essentially what is mobility um, and that's the um, your nervous system's way of creating a safe environment and when you don't feel safe um, your body responds in, in uh, some different ways but to put it very simply mobility is control over your whole body uh, and especially starting with the nervous system and having gaining more um, awareness of that. So it's almost like a, the battle that, that takes place within yourself, a, a sort of your nervous system protecting your body versus what you want your body to do. Is that kind of where mobility helps? Yeah, and it's 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 a really about gaining understanding and then creating a basically um, a safe environment for your body to move in. Right. Um, when it doesn't feel safe, it creates some instability and um, tightness, which is a slight misconception of what tightness is and um, we're all kind of mechanically made up of the same tissues bone structures obviously some have some um, anatomical variations but nine times out of ten we are made the same Mm. the difference is between someone who's done a lot of mobility and and who hasn't is someone has spent more time gaining that control and making their central nervous system feel safe that they're that they're capable to move in that environment so tightness does does exist is it actually what we think it is all the time might not be um i think if we were cut open today all of us which is probably not a nice thing to think about (laughs) under a sort of um general anesthetic we would be um you and me would look the same so our tissues would look very similar and the difference might be um from a physical point of view from my side i might have done a little bit more of this mobility stuff so that's why i'm capable of achieving these different positions and ranges of motion um but we are made the same it's just our way our brain has re sort of programmed ourselves to be uh, how we are that's really that's really interesting when looking at because i would say a lot of runners say well i've got really tight hip flexors or something is that do you think actually we should be talking in, in a different language about that that's about not being safe moving in a certain range of motion or something definitely i mean i think the the, the hip flexors is a common complaint and it's a it's a, it's 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 an area i think which we all struggle with because you know we're sat down a lot and that doesn't help and that gets you know sort of highlighted quite quickly and especially with runners they're in a lot of flexion you know and that that movement pattern itself creates a lot of neurological tightness whether that's actual tightness of the tissue i'm not too sure it's some of it's a bit of both from training but the overriding com- conversation around mobility is gaining more actual control of that area and um, wants to hip um, can move like a hip and once you've got some more sort of strength in that area so weakness slash um, 
tightness can be confusing because people think they're tight, but is it actually a weakness which they're not used to being in that position a lot of? So it's, it's a bit of both. You have to take some good some sides of it. So I'm not completely down the line with with everything, mm. so, <laughs> yeah. but I, I like to take a lot of different things from different people from different who I really um, respect, um, and then I've kind of merged it together into my own kind of philosophy. But um, based on what I've done in the last five years. I know that if you gain more control over your joints and your whole nervous system, theoretically, you shouldn't feel stiff and tight all the time. Mm. Obviously, go and lift heavy weights, do lots of training, you're going to feel stiff and tight. But on the whole, you shouldn't feel that neuro- that, that constant fatigue and tightness if you look after yourself in a slightly different way. Well, let's, let's jump back then to the to start of your particular journey through this. So sort of, you've been working on this for about five years now. What, 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 what was your start point? What sparked your interest? Um, so I grew up um, dancing. So I did a lot of contemporary dance. Uh, I did break dancing until I was about 16. It was pretty cool. I yeah. uh, did lots of gymnastics. And then I played professional rugby for uh, five years, five, six years. And I did the opposite. So I did no rotational training. I did no end range work. It was all very linear, very sort of... Um, closed chain it was very um heavy lifting power based stuff which is good for rugby mm-hmm. um not so good when you want to try and do other things after so i think since stopping rugby um i've really tried to get back to how i used to maybe look at movement a bit differently right. um not look at movement or training sessions as like tick boxes in a1 a2 and just work through lists of stuff look at you know not sort of just training exercises but training movement and being because there is there is no such thing as functional movement you know we, we are just training movement patterns and right. a squat exists because we've called it a squat but really it's just a it's a it's a just a pattern of movement which 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 exists for us to perform different tasks in so um yeah it's using a bit of both and um i think I'm much happier after not lifting weights every day. Yeah. Uh, five sessions a week of lifting and, you know, it gets a bit monotonous. Um, and I know there's a lot more to explore with movement as well. I like the idea that obviously we're all, I mean, everyone will be conditioned to think of a certain posture or uh, movement as, a, as, a, as the term that it's being given, whereas in fact it's just movement. Yeah. And that's kind of where I think maybe stripping it right back down to how, you, how your body just behaves is, is a sort of a key thing. And for runners, that's super important because, you know, running is, is up and down. Um, so that sort of, that in itself must be, cause a lot of sort of mobility, not issues, but sort of like red flags in terms of what needs to be addressed. Mm, definitely. I think um, I've got a, quite a few try guys who train with me and, you know, they, I think they're, the mental capacity for endurance events is insane. Like, I think it's incredible. I was in Australia and I saw the um, um, Ironman, um, events out there and I was like you know the guys really really go for it and it's so amazing but I think some things they don't look at so much is their like the basics of their they do all the amazing stuff in terms of their output their loading their nutrition their sleep everything is really really calculated but then one thing they don't look at quite so much I don't think is this kind of movement side and it's because it might be a bit lateral they might think it's not going to really conducively transfer to their activity because they're just in a you know that sort of linear uh, frame of mind but um if you can sort of work around that and have a different lateral sort of thinking mindset towards movement i think the guys who've been training with me have really benefited from that because it's different to what they do also with their training so it's um you know using different you know points of the brain in terms of like space and perception and not just maybe being so head down with some of the activities which they've been used to yeah. um but yeah it's um, a massive one is you know 
runners will encounter, you know, lower limb work. So ankles are, are usually very, very restricted. Right. Calf tightness, Achilles, feet, uh, feet intri- um, intrinsic foot control, which I'm going to talk about a bit later as well. Um, sort of hips are quite locked up. Thoracic is a bit stiff as well. And that's all because I think they're very, again, strong in quite a narrow sort of plane of motion. So I guess a lot of people listening to this podcast might be thinking of doing like a spring marathon, right? And traditionally that training program would start December or January. And probably traditionally a lot of people wouldn't, they'd think what I need to do here is run X amount of miles a week. Hopefully I won't get injured, fingers crossed. And then I'll run a certain time at London or Brighton or Paris or whatever. Um, Where can mobility come into that kind of training program? For somebody who's starting at the beginning, I think um, mobility isn't. I think it shouldn't be um, um, sort of in like a pecking order of your training. I think it should be just part of how you are as a human, regardless of your activity or your specific event. I think it should be. I think it should be ingrained in the same way it's ingrained to do other stuff at the gym. So whether you know, because unfortunately, mobility in the past it was looked at prehab, rehab, which is the same thing essentially, yeah. but just maybe had a bad stigma of people with bands doing external rotation it's like oh this is a bit boring let's just get to the good stuff and then it kind of went through a phase of oh let's just foam roll let's get a quick stimulus out of foam rolling so it wasn't really paid the due course which i think it is neat because if you can really get stuck into mobility the the benefits are really really good um and i think if people are starting off from a beginner point of view it's really being aware of their own body and being able to move every joint how how the joint should work so for example with the hips can the hips can can the hip rotate inwards and outwards easily if there's a sticking block or a, or a slight or this is a bit tight or I'm not used to this position then that could highlight that potentially the hip isn't functioning like the hip and then if the hip isn't working like the hip then you're doing hours and hours of hip extension and flexion over and over again then you are going to encounter lower back tightness hamstring tightness hip flexors all these issues kind of have a knock on effect mm. and the fundamental cause or symptom is from the fact that the hip or the joint itself isn't mechanically moving like how we, we want it to move. Anyone who's not aware of what Ollie's doing, you should go on Instagram and, and check out at Ollie Frost PT and just have a look at some of the videos that he puts up because it will kind of give you more of an idea of what we're talking about. But were you unable to touch your toes? And now if you watch on Instagram, you're able to sort of reach behind yourself and like grab things and stuff like that. Is that? Yeah, it was, um, it was, it was, it was a, it was, it was a defining point after rugby. So I stopped rugby, um, was a bit lost in terms of what I wanted to do in terms of um, like direction of coaching. So I was doing just usual S&C work. Then I went on um, Gymnastic Bodies, which is um, run by a guy called Christopher Summer. Christopher Summer coached a US Olympic team for years. Right. I don't know how it was ages ago, but he's developed this amazing online and face-to-face um, seminars of levels of gymnastic-based strength training. Um, it's, and it goes back against the sort of control element again and it one of the activities was um sitting in um a straddle so sit on the floor with your legs out to the side and to see how far you could go and i and he put me on five blocks so i couldn't so i basically couldn't um hinge on my hips properly because my hips were so locked up and my back was so stiff and tight so i was um that was the defining moment when i was like god i was in a room with people who played no rugby no um did no real snc for their whole lives but they were very very in control of their own body of their own bodies that was a big high 
big, big, big sort of moment for me where I was like, okay, I spent so long in the gym. I was so strong at a very, very limited amount of movement. And that was quite worrying because I had no control of my own sort of, um, you know, range of motion so that was a big thing for me yeah uh, and then after that i was like because i'm quite a determined person i was like i'm going to get onto this and i'm going to personally try and change and then as i started to develop more within myself then my coaching reflected that and then i got really into obviously more prehab and rehab with people as well yeah it's a it's, uh, it's interesting i'm just thinking about are there any at home exercises that, that people Gen- generally people could have a go at to test their own mobility or, or to improve their own mobility things that you'd recommend I think um, aside from the classic just touch your toes but um, just try and sit in a bodyweight squat take your shoes and socks off and see if you can squat with don't worry about your posture for your back just slouch in a squat and see if you can hold a deep squat for a couple of minutes and you'll soon feel whether your your hips are giving you this sort of pinching sensation or your, your lower back feels a bit tight or, or it's your ankle and you, you'll soon flag up things from just very passive movements yeah. um, and then also if you can get to a bar and just hang so see what your grip shape's like and see what your overall sort of capacity's like just, just to hold your own body weight so squat and hang I think are two really good ones um, and then the third one um, is just a cat camel or a cat cow okay. and just trying to perform that really slowly and you'll see um, how much you can control each vertebrae for your spine and if your spine looks like it's blocked is it when you're going up and down the wave of the cat cow then that's going to quickly highlight that you have very limited sort of spinal spinal mobility as well and obviously if you don't have control over your spine um, you know you you, you 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 will struggle to perform tasks in terms of like hip stuff and shoulder work as well so spinal work hips with the squat and then with, with the hang for sort of basic strength and grip as well and you call it the cat cow cat cow or cat camel i'm not sure what the v- right variation is I saw. is it like a kind of yo- is that a yoga move that's a it? yoga move right. yeah so that's just like the classic like on all fours in the quad- um, in the quadruple position where you just perform the you the arch really, your back up yes, and then you yeah, sort of drop down your, that's it yeah, yeah so we probably did it when we were younger sort of angry cat and nice cat yeah okay <laughs> but, yeah yeah, um, yeah but just trying to do it really slowly and that's when it goes back to the control element with mobility that most of the movements are done with um very precise control um, which we're not used to because we only we usually train and live so fast so it's always run fast swim fast mm. live fast and so mobility is nice because it's a bit more in tune i think with um your own self a little bit as well yeah we've, we've had um a guest on previously Annie who came and talked to us about yoga for running and I think that there was a not just a physical side of it which which helped sort of gain control over some aspects of your breath perhaps or things like that that you don't normally focus on but obviously all the the, the time out that off, that yoga offers you can switch off for a little bit and I think that this this mobility sounds a bit like that you can sort of refocus on uh perhaps one single movement for a while and just kind of get good at that yeah i think you know i think breath work is completely underrated as well i think it's a it's a whole minefield of information which people just don't aren't aware of and it's like personally for myself i'm still learning a lot about the power of breath and using sort of you know 
deeper breathing and diaphragmatic breathing in terms of um, going into your um, parasympathetic part of your nervous system, which is your rest and rest and digest um, side. Because um, I think a lot of us we live in the sympathetic side, which is the fight or flight. So that's obviously quite stressful. You don't breathe very deeply. You know, it's sort of apex breathing, which is mm. quite high up into the chest. Mm. Um, so when you use the power of the breath in terms of the deeper diaph- diaphragmatic breathing, I think you control movement much better. Um, you're more aware of what you're doing. Um, you're more in tune. I think you're more connected with what you're doing as well. Um, and there is obviously times where you, you've got to flip in between the um, the fight or flight to get your heart rate up and get yourself going a little bit faster. But I think the majority of our lives are spent in this sympathetic, quite stressful state anyway. Mm-hmm. So I think people's training only reflects that. And then it's this cycle of stress and you know shorter breath and it's yeah. a, it's a bit of a nasty cycle and it's draining your battery quite a lot as well so it's it's how you then do that is you know taking some time out and working on your breath i think in isolation is a great skill to do yeah do you think that mobility is something you should do as a 30 minute class or is it something that should be part of your day-to-day lifestyle I think it should be um, a daily routine. I think it should be, I mean, people will say to me, oh, how, how much do you do this or how much do you train? And I think that the answer for me is I think it's become it's become an opportunity to just move when I can. I mean, I'm privileged I don't have to sit at a desk all day, so yeah. that's an easy one for me to not have to do that. But I just try and move with every opportunity, whether that's with clients or where I've got 10 minutes just to grab a little bit here and there. And it's the accumulation of, you know, the old saying of, putting it in the bank and it's the you just over the week you just put in together more and more movement and i think mm. that in, in in itself is a great nourishment for your body um i don't think you can do enough you know enough mobility you won't get completely taxed from it mm. um you don't get overly tired mm. it just sort of it just makes you more aware of what you're doing and it only has the benefits of more efficiency when you are doing other tasks and it makes things much easier so um, when I've gone back to gymnastics, when I'm a little bit older, it's made it much easier because um, I have to learn about just the skill element now mm. and I have to learn about just the coordination and timing mm. versus when I was younger, I would have had to battle with restrictions of, from a joint point of view or mobility aspects. So now it's much easier because, well, not completely easy, but I can just pick up things easier because I've, yeah. I don't have to worry about, oh, does my arm flex that way or can I get the hip into that position? Whereas if you spend all the time doing the nuts and bolts of it, then you can have some fun, you know. Yeah, I agree. And I think you could, you could argue the same thing about running, actually. But you see elite runners side on and, and the kind of angle they're making with their legs, maybe their training legs almost horizontal behind. And, and part of that is about speed. But I think if you didn't have that mobility, actually there's probably a, a kind of ceiling at which you could arrive at. And actually you can't get further than that because your body can't move in that way. It, w- it wouldn't even necessarily have to be a heart and lungs uh, limitation. Um, I completely agree and it's a um, I think I get it more in sort of an S&C sense where clients have come to me they've done CrossFit or they've done some lots of lifting they've sort of plateaued and that's not because of their you know nutrition their you know their recovery or their programming it's purely down to the fact that they don't have enough space within the joints to move so you know it causes that natural restriction then more restrictions come off the back of that so then other other tissues around it will start to compensate and that's when you get you know that's when you can become 
slightly you know not in balance but you are just putting more load into different areas which shouldn't really be there so going back to what i said earlier it's fundamentally um, addressing the the joint capsule first um does does the joint work like a joint yes great and then we can sort of load it from there uh, versus before i think we've only really concentrated on the passive and just the flexibility side mm. and we haven't really addressed we've we've thought that weights in essence would take care of the structural work which it does to a certain degree but it doesn't really again add that control control aspect as well yeah because i think that a lot of people might say like oh i've got a hip impingement or or something like that which which may well be just their natural shape right yeah and that's not necessarily so it's not necessarily that the impingement's the bad thing it's just not addressing the knock-on effect of it and that's where mobility helps right because it's not just oh i've got an impingement i must train around it I've got an impingement, how do I train with it? Is that kind of more... Definitely, yeah. And I think, you know, people are quite quick to sort of just say, oh, I've got an issue, so let's just kind of put it to one side or let's just label myself as just having this impingement. You know, I think mm. I think people say, like, I think people get too bogged down with, like, what's wrong with them all the time. Like, they'll always say, like, something's always going on. I think if you just take a step back and remove yourself slightly and think, okay, that there's an area which is clearly sensitive, there may be some inflammation. I'm not categorically injured because I'm still performing. So how do we sort of desensitize the area? And that can be through, you know, more mobility, more stretching, more just general sort of movement, which is not so, like, invasive to that area. Mm. And um, I think if you go off the premise of wanting to make every part of your body work as, as, as well as you can, maybe not, like, um, optimally or be a perfectionist but if you have a that kind of mindset then because everything is so connected other issues should hopefully yeah. respond a little bit better mm. you know i think if, if someone's had a tight hip for so long then you've got to be thinking okay well what you're doing to not necessarily help your hip but what you're doing to help your whole entire um makeup you know yeah um if, if someone came to you and said, right, I've got a finite amount of time here, like lots of our listeners are quite sort of time poor, I guess. And they said, right, I'm training for a marathon. I'm prepared to run four times a week and I'm prepared to do two lots of like we call S&C or mobility. Um, how would you how would you go about working that into a tight schedule? Is it something that you can put with the S&C work or with the running? Or how, how would it work? Um, so for guys who are... Um, have similar sort of setups I, I always say to them to integrate the mobility into their training sessions so if they've got like a superset window or they've got like a rest period then that's a perfect opportunity to do x y and z of mobility and it's like the thing is mobility isn't hard it's very very simple movements but it's just done with control and um, it's not like made up stuff it's just like movement which we which we which we've done for for thousands of years but it's just done with with um, a very precise and focus and that's basically it and you can easily sneak in mobility easily in into people's programs without it having to uh, load up their time throughout yeah, uh, right. the, 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 the day or week um, and obviously if you've got more time to do it great but if not if you just started integrating some basic stuff today after this podcast great because your mind is suddenly thinking a little bit more about not just going to the gym and doing my compound lifts. It's like, okay, I'm doing a compound lift, but I'm going to help sort of um, match that with some mobility. And I think that's what we haven't done for a long time. We've done loads of strength stuff, so the curve's gone up quite a lot. And then the, the mobility curve hasn't really gone up with it, mm. uh, or, or the flexibility or, or the range of motion. So then 
we then get the restriction. So if we matched it from the start 50-50, we would be completely fine, I'm sure of it. But we yeah. we didn't, and I didn't either. And then you pay the price for it later in your life because then you could have the niggles. But then what have you done for the last 10 years? Oh, yeah, I've lifted weights for 10 years and I've played sport and I've done no stretching. Okay, well, we've got to start again a little bit. Yeah, you know? yeah right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, before Ollie answers this, Rick, sure. I'm going to ask you, if there was one part of the body that every runner should focus on in terms of improving mobility, what do you think it would be? I would say, and I'm not an expert, as you know, Ben, <laughs> but I'd, I'd say it's the hips, but that's possibly bringing some of my own tightness in hips to the, yeah. to the table. But I would, that, would be my, that would be my guess. I think the hips. I'm going to say ankles. Right. Nice. Well, they're both really good areas to work right, on. Good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> got yes. it. Yes. Nailed it. Nailed it. Um, but so I think more. I think for running specifically, I w- and also for everyone. But I mean, for running because of the impact and the load, I would go more to the feet first, right. and to look at the feet in terms of you know is the foot stable? Because if you imagine the foot and it's like. Like, like almost like a, like a Jenga block and the Jenga block's not quite steady, then the blocks above it aren't going to be doing the job properly. So perfect alignment is non-existent. Your body isn't symmetrical. It's asexual because of the right reasons, because that's how we breathe, that's how we rest, that's how we recover, that's how your internal organs are packed onto the right. So your pelvis is naturally going to be more rotated. So to get the perfect symmetry in your whole body is not going to happen. But from a feet control point of view your feet should be very very stable and obviously people have got ankle issues of more pronation and things like that which is which is becoming more and more apparent because of the fact we've been cramped in shoes for so long um i think you've got the vivos on today you got the i have i wore yeah, especially i was like i need to be wearing some, <laughs> some ergonomically sound yeah, footwear for ollie here so yeah and and i think that's the best way and i think you know we've been cramped in shoes for so long and the feet have become almost deconditioned yeah. um and the sort of neural connections between your brain and your feet have just like been dead and just switched off so if your feet don't have the amount of control in terms of stability um, you know, just on one leg and two legs. Um, if you have poor toe extension, so that's the ability to lift your toe up quite high, um, whilst keeping the other toes flat, I think these things can have a big impact to uh, the joint. So the ankle joint then won't be able to flex and extend properly. Um, if that isn't really um, as efficient as we'd like it, then unfortunately the the problems just run up the chain, and then we get more torque on the knee the uh, hip can become a little bit more internally rotated and then that's when you get all your tightness. And that's just, uh, so feet, feet to be in control uh, on both feet, bare feet, and then single leg work is massive. Um, being able to sort of segment your toes, which is, I can't really do either, which is hard, yeah. but being able to move your toes um, unilaterally, um, individually as well, you know, that's really important skills to have and something which I don't think, I think it's, again, it's getting more popular, like with the yeah, Vivo t- work. Yeah, uh, Toga, I've yeah. heard so, of. Yeah, that's it, yeah. and the toe spreaders and being able to, yeah. you know, it's a it's a quite a funny look, but, you know, it's, it's, it's creating more neural connections between the feet and the brain. And then once that, that's in set and place, I think you should hopefully have a sounder base literally to work from. Mm. Um, so, yeah, feet, feet, ankles are massive, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people listening might consider it, it too late for themselves to address any issues that, that they might have, but you're sort of more of the thinking that it's never too late and also don't wait for the issue. 
Definitely. And I think it's having a preventative mindset and, you know, not being reactive, being proactive. And it's um, it's don't wait for something to occur too much. Be sort of a bit more on the ball with it and just have the mindset that you can really clear a lot of this stuff up at the early stage before waiting, before, you know, you've really hurt yourself or the problem has persisted so much. Yeah. I think one of the good sayings is you, you will always regret not trading in the position that you got injured in. Right. So you know how many times do you practice sort of rolling your ankles in the way which you normally roll your ankle so i think if we we don't prepare our bodies for the eventuality enough and that goes from maybe overly safeguarding our training um and again going back to that linear approach and being a bit more lateral thinking in terms of the rotational aspect of your body um but again being more um being more preventative in terms of your mindset and just thinking about this is this is going to give you so much more longevity and so much more time as well you know and you hopefully won't if you get injured the level of injury will hopefully be a lot less so if you practiced some ankle work then you roll your ankle quite badly it might be like a grade one and you, you might be back on your feet in two weeks if you've done no ankle work you might be looking at grade two or grade three yeah. So to being a bit more aware of stuff and um, don't just wait until you're injured as well is a big one. And as far as age is concerned, I mean, like I guess at 50 or even as mid-30s, you and I were probably not going to be Simone Biles, are we? No. We've missed the boat on Olympic gymnastics. But do you think that actually gains can be made regardless of, of age? Um, I think so, definitely. I think it just goes back to a mindset. I think people just use age as, oh, I'm, I'm getting slightly older, so... That means I don't have to move as much, whereas it should be the opposite. <laughs> you should be getting older, wanting to move more, yeah. and you know, being more. You know, I think collagen does change slightly over the age of forty, so your natural flexibility does get decreased. But that's no, that's no stop to people to becoming. You know, you can you can stay mobile for as long as you want. It's very much down to you wanting to do a little bit more. Yeah, and you think we're all living longer, aren't we? And actually, mobility as well as being like a running thing is actually. It's a way to stay happy, I think. If you stay mobile and kind of yeah. functional into your old age, I think that's that's a huge reason why mobility should be looked at, I think. I oh, know, Ollie, that was, uh, well, I mean, to begin with, just a fantastic start for probably myself and Rick in terms of learning for more, sure. but hopefully for, sure. for everyone else who was listening. Um, I'm going to build in some mobility. Absolutely. I need some. I'm terrible. So this, is, <laughs> this was great to meet right. you, to have you in and to just to introduce us all to a, something a bit more important that we should perhaps be looking at. That's it. Thanks very much for having me on. That's great. This is the Runner's World Podcast. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So a very, a, a bit of news hot off the press. Okay. But it's a sort of, it's repeat news in many ways. Is it, so uh, it's not that hot then. Uh, well, it, it's it's happened now. <laughs> okay, but it it's it's sort of legacy news. Is it sort of reheated news? Perhaps. So it's hot, but it's not. It's hot, but re-hot. Okay. Right. Re-hot yeah. news. Well, it's basically Russia. Oh yeah. Have been banned from global sport for the next four years, which obviously includes 2020 Olympics and actually the, the 2022 World Cup, but pretty much everything else in between and beyond for the four years. Um, Athletes who can prove, this is the important bit, athletes who can prove they were untainted by this doping scandal and the previous, I assume, will be able to compete under the neutral flag, um, which has happened previously. Um, Also, the Russian Anti-Doping Agency um, has 21 days to appeal this ban. Mm. So we'll see what happens between that. But, I mean, considering that Russia have been banned from competing as a nation in in athletics since 2015... Mm. I don't think there's much chance of that ban being moved. No, and, they, and they've been fairly um, slow and unrepentant, haven't they, about the whole thing? Yeah, so the ban comes off the back of their uh, their anti-doping agency um, basically just not fulfilling WADA's requirements in yeah. terms of like proving that there hasn't been lots of GTGT. Uh, so yeah, this is another four-year ban for the Russians. Well, I think fair enough, actually. You know, yeah. it's It's the same rules for everyone and... Yeah, if you, if you if you're not complying, then there has to be some sort of sanction, doesn't there? Yeah, and, and comments from from Wada were pretty strict. Of them, the vice president, whose name will escape me now, but she sort of commented that it wasn't, you know, banning wasn't enough, and there needs to be further action and stuff like that. So you know, it's a, I feel like it's a real hard. They're taking quite a hard line stance on it, which is as it should be because yeah. they're the governing body to stop doping. So it's important. Yeah, and I guess if you if you are a clean um, athlete in Russia, and of course. There are many, many of those. Hopefully, being able to compete under a, a sort of neutral flag, mm. so it opens the door, doesn't it, for people who who are within Russia who do want to compete clean. Um, so that's, I think, that's an important kind of caveat of it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, because you can't just uh, paint everyone with the same brush. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Great rehot news. Thanks so much. Rehot news is what we do best. <laughs> So that brings us to the end of this week's Runner's World podcast. A huge thanks to our guest, Ollie Frost, and to you for listening. The Runner's World podcast was recorded at Number 8 Studios in Soho and is available on Acast, iTunes and all your favourite podcast apps. If you've enjoyed the episode, please give us a review and we will see you again next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.